My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. When I was in Hong Kong, there's actually no way I can learn property, to be honest. You can learn property as a normal buyer, right? Like you buy and you sell because Hong Kong um, apartment market are quite crazy, like a roller coaster. Um, but you won't be able to expose yourself as a developer. This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset, and strategies. I'm Tyron Shum, and in this episode, we're speaking with Ricky Poon, a Melbourne-based developer who has delivered upwards of $140 million in developments in the last eight years. After growing up in the bustling Hong Kong, he now proudly calls Australia home and shares his plans to extend that feeling of connectedness to incoming students. Poon is one to watch in the property development space with his strong trajectory and innovative approach to each project. My role is really about development management. So um, I will plan out the um, strategy for the company. I will um, be the problem solver when there's anything comes up to me and, and no one know, know what the next step should be. And I would be, uh, I much pretty much spend a lot of time on negotiations in, in either on acquisitions, on uh, contract terms, or even for bargaining on, <laughs> on fee proposal. I always want the best team, but it comes with a big cost, right? So I just hope that I can get a, get a really good bargain. That's what I want. He describes his business, BEKL, as a family-owned private office. Although you may not have heard of it until recently, it's far from a new venture for Poon. It has been in, in the market for a pretty long time actually. But um, we have rebranded ourselves from Amazon Property to Backo uh, for two reasons. One is just um, want to um, set the image right because Amazon Property was created by the uh, father of our other two directors. And um, so, and back then we are like an investor rather than a developer. So about, two, about three years ago, three years ago, we have rebranded ourselves and we have set ourselves to become a developers. Um, previous development has involved in student accommodations, apartment, etc. All right, and also some office. Uh, ever changed to ever since we changed to backhoe, then we have focused a lot more on um, creating more income generating assets. So, like such as like we still do our student accommodations, but then we do a lot more on hotels or, or similar accommodations or service apartments. Um, yeah, so that's what I'll share with you is at, at the moment for the next five years as well. 
The student accommodation market is BEKL's main focus, even during the COVID-19 era. It doesn't impact the development part. It actually impacts the existing asset that we have. So definitely we have heavily hit because of there's literally no overseas student here. Um, so that really gives us a big uh, slap on the face. Yeah, but, but in saying that, we're still hopeful and very positive on the student market, um, mainly because we know that this education market is a big piece for Australia. So unless you're telling me that Australia as a country changing their, their, their strategy of not allowing the student, which just impossible because we got all the good uni, good school here, um, we still think that the um, student market is is gonna is gonna come back and gonna be gonna be like a V shape kind of comeback. So um, that's why we never stop. So we still have um, development happening. You know, we still have uh, we're still trying to acquire more sites and um, bring in more student accommodation offering to the market. Mm. And is that the, also the reason why you've also diversified out to hotels as well? Because you know that the tourism industry will also pick up as well eventually. The tourism market, we have been really positive. You know, the COVID actually never um, stopped us at all. So the fact that I think when Victoria gone through the first lockdown, we actually transacted one site for a hotel as well. So, um, so yeah, we didn't stop. So um, yeah, we just keep buying site for hotels. Um, it may change a little bit of the offering. So we may not uh, follow the traditional um, hotel uh, offering to the market. We just blend it in with some mixed use just to diversify the risk. But yeah, we didn't actually stop on our, our acquisition. And did you get better deals then, I guess, during that time? Because the market is sort of kind of uncertainty all that whole time. Everyone asked me the same. Okay, so in short, no, I didn't get a better deal, but I got an easier deal. Because normally, um, we need to fight with a lot of different developers um, you know, for, for a good site. Uh, what we experience is like, um, it become a lot more sensible. So the pricing are, are reasonable. We don't have to keep bidding for a much higher price, but it's still, we're still paying for the market price. So I think at least, at least we don't have to fight too hard. Poon grew up in Causeway Bay in Hong Kong before moving to Singapore and then eventually to Australia. I spent my teenager time in Hong Kong mainly, um, but my family and my grandparents are, came from different places of Asia. So Singapore, Malaysia, Hong Kong, Indonesia, you know, a bit of and Thailand. So um, yeah, so I, I actually did a bit of, I did spend a little, like, uh, about two to three years in Singapore before I came over to Australia. And then, and then I basically just permanently stay in Australia. I think to be honest, childhood was, was not that exciting because I actually never had any comparison with the other country and all that, right? So um, um I think that, but what I do notice is actually very convenient. You know, you you just, you know, get down to your apartment and there's like grocery stores everywhere, shopping centers everywhere. You know, like shopping is mainly your 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 one of your main event all the time. Um, other than that, yeah, to be honest, it's actually Hong Kong is really really small. So other than shopping, it's only shopping. But on the other hand, is I do notice when I was following my parent and all that, you know, that's because it's so small. Um, people were, were really have to think really hard to create opportunities or find an opportunity. So um, yeah, that part do inspire me a lot when I grew up. Like, because I've been watching how all my uncles and all that, how do they do the business, how they, you know, um, how do they create opportunity with different people and all that. So um, yeah, that, that, that do actually um, affect me quite a lot when I grew up. 
He explains the typical occupation in Hong Kong, though to the casual observer, you wouldn't be able to tell. On the face, you're probably seeing them, they're working for someone, you know, in a corporate environment and all that. But behind the scene, they still create, they try to look for some opportunity to start their own business and all that. So in Hong Kong, um, to have your own business is actually quite common. Pun attended the average Hong Kong city schools throughout his childhood, where he learnt a not-so-average language. I just go to like the normal school in Hong Kong. Um, yeah, because it's just pretty common that what you do. Um, the only reason for anyone would like to go to international school mainly because they actually came from overseas. Yeah, so if your if your parent actually migrated to Hong Kong, then you probably will go to uh, international school, or your parent from day one already prepared to send you out. Yeah, it's only these two scenarios that will happen. Uh, in my case, um, because I already came from a quite a diversified. <laughs> background. So um, yeah, my parents just don't think there's a need. In, in fact, she, she actually sent me to a primary school that uh, that helps me to learn my Mandarin. It's actually, actually quite, quite uncommon for Hongki to, to speak fluently in Mandarin. That's right, mostly Cantonese. Yeah, I, I, I speak fluently, um, but thanks to my parents because they sent me to, to the primary school that teach 100% Mandarin. To be honest, it's actually, we didn't actually expect that, uh, just purely because my parents came from Indonesia. Um, if I don't speak Mandarin, I won't be able to communicate with my relatives. Poon's parents were in a wide variety of businesses as he grew up, each one being completely different to the next. They're in all sorts of business. Um, they, they were in uh, foreign exchange. Um, they were in a hydraulic business. And um, at one point, they were in also plastic injections. Wow, <laughs> that's a very, very, very variety business. I'm curious, when did you learn about property development then? Yeah, much, much later. So, um, because like when I was in Hong Kong, there's actually no way I can learn property, to be honest. You can learn property as a normal buyer, right? Like you buy and you sell because Hong Kong um, apartment market are quite crazy, like a roller coaster. Um, but you won't be able to expose yourself as a developer. Only when I came to Australia, working for a few years, and then, um, and then there's an opportunity for me to um, to start to get into it, and then I learn it. So, so actually, a lot of people think that I'm a finance background or property background, but actually, I'm not. I'm actually a marketing background. I actually study marketing, um, but I really learn everything from scratch, um, learning from the foreman uh, uh, on the construction side, and then bit by bit, learning from different bankers, architects, and then and then this is how I learn property. Coming up after the break, we'll hear about Poon's first business he opened in Australia. When I say I wasn't a very good student, just purely because I um, I do spend a lot of time to create my own business, being being born and grew up in Hong Kong. The innovative and effective way he got the business off the ground. And from there, um, obviously the, the the within the building, I start to get some business. But then at the same time, um, yeah, referral start to comes in. So yeah, that's that's how that's how I start to generate more leads. He delves into the other venture he tried his hand at and why it wasn't the failure he thought it was. But uh, another big lesson to learn that I was trying to walk too quickly. Um, I tried to expand to Sydney, um, and obviously the business environment is very different from Melbourne. Um, the communication and culture is so different that I don't really get the hang of it. And that's next. I'm Taran Sham, and you're listening to Property Investory.
Let's be real. Deals that can yield 20 to 30% per annum do exist. Don't believe me? Well, here's a story about property development I invested in Victoria. This developer had the project fully funded beforehand but he and his family suffered a loss, a circumstance that led him to be unable to proceed with the development. So, I stepped in and in two weeks, we funded the shortfall allowing for the development to continue. Five months later, the development was refinanced and we received our funds back with interest. Yes, there are amazing opportunities in the property market like this one. So, do you want to get a better return with low risk on your money? Then register your interest by visiting propertyinvestory.com. Coming back, Poon dives into the time in his life where he decided Australia was the place he wanted to be. I actually left Hong Kong pretty early. So I was, I was a student, I studied in Singapore and then I studied in Australia um, and then I worked in Australia. So I, I only worked in Hong Kong for a very short period of time after I graduated. You know that because my parents want me to go back and help the business for a little bit but I still decide wanted to um, stay in Australia so at the end I quit the job, quit it from my father and I come back to Australia. I, I'm, yeah, I love my party a lot and I still do <laughs> but, um, but when I was a student, um, when I say I wasn't a very good student just purely because I um, I do spend a lot of time to create my own business being, being <laughs> born and grew up in Hong Kong so I actually I came up to Australia, I think, when I was doing my year one in uni, I've started running an internet cafe in Chinatown. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so so that's why I actually have spent way more time in the business than at school. But luckily, the, 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 the degree I was doing is actually marketing. So the business experience actually helped me a lot because, because when you have a real life experience, everything on the textbook becoming sensible rather than you try to hard swallow whatever your lecturer was trying to teach you and you really don't know whether it's actually useful. I think that actually um, becoming more meaningful for me is where the IT sector start to boom. It's pretty early. So back then we were talking about 56K modem, 33.6K modem. You do remember it too. I was like, wow. They make so much sense um, because you, you want a speed connection and you're happy to go out and use internet. Yeah, that's how we how how that's where my first business is. Wow, that's amazing. How long were you running that business for? One year, roughly for one year, and then it got evolved actually. So, um, so from there, we becoming a internet service provider because it's the same mechanism. So, and we realized that okay, the student um, wanted to have the internet connection at home, um, and and back then we were talking about ratio, right? So one modem you you are offering to eleven people. And all that. So when I was trying to offer it to seven people, suddenly I'm becoming a quality service. I can start to see where the themes are coming from, where the student market came in. <laughs> so that's how it is. Um, so um, and from that, um, and then we further evolved and becoming a multimedia um, company. So then we start to. I think that was my first encounter to property as well, because I think I was I was dealing with some big projects in uh, with the property developers. Um, yeah, so we create website, we create back then the CD room, you know, the multimedia presentations and all that, the bank for them and all that uh, to show that to their investors or, or potential buyers and all that. So um, yeah, that that is probably my very first encounter on about property market. 
When he jumped into the student market, he got the property developers on board in an unusual but highly effective way. I was actually a very socialized person. So um, I still remember when I first um, um, trying to introduce myself, what I did is actually, I, 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 as I said, I love party. So I actually create a, a move-in party for myself to, to, to the office building. And I invited every single tenant in the building and come and join the party. So that's my very first business networking event to myself. And from there, um, obviously, the, 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 within the building, I start to get some business. But then at the same time, um, yeah, referrals start to come in. So yeah, that's, that's, how, that's how I start to generate more leads. He decided against building a portfolio of properties in favor of what he's doing now. Well, back then, I wasn't really looking at other sectors as yet, um, just purely because I was still too young. I don't understand that. And, and um, if I earn some money, I'd rather spend it all <laughs> than, than actually spend on the property, right? No saving, you know, try to spend as much as possible, drain up, right? That's what I do. So I wasn't actually paying attention to that, but I just... I just realized that um, the property investor actually uh, do have big dollar to spend in terms of media stuff. Um, they are definitely not one of my big clients back then. Wow, that's that's interesting because then that's how you obviously go, wow, this would be an industry to potentially tap into. Is that right? Not at that time, to be honest. It actually came from my, my parents. So when when I was still, when I was young, still in Hong Kong, you know, um, I was told all the time that, you know, eventually if you want to get to the top, um, finance and property sector is where you need to be but to be honest finance is quite a big game and property same thing in Hong Kong like it's a it's a very small circle game you know like even Hong Kong development is only you know, controlled by really less than 10 to 20 people so in Hong Kong it's probably like a dream other than the things that you can really touch but in Australia it's actually quite different right because um, the government control a lot um, and therefore you are on a quite you are actually on a quite fair um, environment to 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 choose whether you want to become this or that. Yeah, so that, I mean, I do think that in terms of property, it had it gives us a lot more opportunity um, in Australia. The whole process with the internet service provider lasted about three years in the early two thousands. The reason that we stopped is actually the the IT bubble burst at that time as well. So straight away, uh, it's not about we are we are not actually leveraging from this bubble at all, but it's just that the market suddenly um, heavily impacted by the bubble burst financially, and a lot of companies actually cutting down their budget. All right, so normally media exposure and all this kind of budget is the first thing to get affected when you have to cut cost. So that that got affected a lot. So so that's how the the business was ended. And, and did you ever? choose that you wanted to go out and maybe work for someone to gain experience or did you keep running businesses alongside? Um, during those periods, I never thought of I will work for someone because you can see that when I was studying, I really started my own business. So um, I don't know how to work for someone. Like it's not in my concept. Yeah, in your genes. <laughs> it wasn't. So, um, but um, after I came back, so I, and after that, so when the, when the multimedia business finished, I was involved in um, bubble tea business. <laughs> it was a good business. It was really good because um, that was not popular. Back then, it's actually not popular at all. Uh, it's only one shop in Melbourne and that's it. Yeah. And other places that you can have is actually go to restaurant and have it. Um, so then I go to Taiwan, I go to Singapore, bring the bring the supplies in, you know, bring the education in and start to educate. So the bubble tea business was really good. 
you know, when I was doing that. But uh, another big lesson to learn that I was trying to walk too quickly. Um, I tried to expand to Sydney. Um, and obviously, the business environment is very different from Melbourne. Um, the communication and culture is so different that I don't really get the hang of it. Was is actually I actually eventually I would say I would say that I actually fell on that. Um, it was fruitful. I earned a lot of money um, through that process, but then the business didn't sustain. So um, and and just happened that at the same time, um, my parent asked me to go back to help out because there's another disaster happening in China when they're having a, a trade war. So so yeah, that's the time when I need to go back as well. So yeah, the business wind up and um, had to go back to Hong Kong and help out. You're definitely a true entrepreneur. You tried so many different types of businesses, you know, even before you got into property development. So. It's probably because of the marketing background that I have. So marketing can fit in everywhere. So uh, yeah, it doesn't really matter which sector, which industry I'm in. Bubble tea wasn't very popular when Pern tapped into the market. So where did the idea come from? There is a brand called Happy Cup in, um, in, in Melbourne. Um, and I was talking to them and they were selling 1,000 cup a day. All right. So because they were, they were the only one, they were so popular. Um, that's how I started to pay attention to this business. I talked to different uh, restaurant owners just to get some understanding on whether this is profitable and all that. Uh, and then, but next thing I realized is actually the, the retail lease is actually very, very expensive. To me, I think it's a bit risky if I just jump in like this. So then... But I don't want to give up, you know, on this market. So I just changed my mind and from doing retail business and do a wholesale business. So I become an importer of this business. And then I help others who dare to take the risk to create the business. Following on from that, he went back to Hong Kong with a plan that didn't exactly pan out as expected. I was originally saying that uh, because I don't really want to go back to Hong Kong at all. So I was telling them that I will go back for three months. Uh, and 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 make it happen and, and try to revive the business and then I'll come back. But then I take it too far that the business back to normal and, and expand quite a fair bit. Then I end up staying there for three years. I was helping my father and helping my uncle. So my father is actually in plastic injections. Um, so they were they they originally they were doing toy business with uh, US, but then what happened? Then the the order was not there, and then I. And then I changed the model becoming um, disposable um, uh, cutlery and utensils and all that. So I changed it. So basically, it's a big change. Um, take me a bit of effort to convince my dad because he thinks the, the, um, the cutlery market is so small uh, and also think that the margin is so small. But I, I just convinced him by, I can bring you a big order that I can assure you, you will not have enough machine to handle my order, which I did it, luckily. Well, I think we were... We had actually one discussion and saying that my father was saying that he wanted me to to explore the rice cooker market. Uh, I don't like it because why? Like, how often do you change a rice cooker? All right, and I think cutlery you use it every day and you dispose it, right? So and therefore and therefore, yeah, it's proven that this is a more sustainable business that um, my father should have got in. So and and he did. Uh, and then with my uncle is is basically just helping out on communications just because of me being um, staying in Australia for quite a while. So it's easier for me to help the company to communicate with European. So because we, we are, we are uh, my uncle's business actually is a, is a bridge between um, China and Europe back then. So uh, there are a lot of negotiation that sort of cultural impact doesn't really turn out quite well. Um, yeah, so yeah, I was flying in and out very often on a daily basis. 
Ricky Poon's story continues in the next episode of Property Investory. We hear about the chance encounter that led him to his next venture. Coming to another person, um, uh, there's some communication problem between the store manager and this person. And I'm trying to help out because I'm, I'm, really, I'm quite a busy body, right? When I see something not right and I think I can help, I'll go in and help. The mysterious case of the missing room. Because the plan was not coordinated properly. So there are some changes happen and and um, this is a big lesson to learn for any new developers when they're doing houses. Uh, it's like you can't fully trust your, your, your design person. Uh, you need to check it as well. He delves into why a 40-story high-rise in Melbourne is yet to see the day of light. Normally, in ideal world, you get you will expect your permit can be up in a one year or max one and a half years. But with this particular scenario, um, it has been running for five years. It's not taking off. And that's next time on Property Investory. If you love the show, perhaps you're now ready to invest your money in a low-risk, high-return deal. If you are, then SMS me your name and email address on 0499881040 to become a lender. There are amazing opportunities in the property market right now and I'm looking for lenders who want to invest their money for as short as 6 months. What are you waiting for? Don't let your money just sit in the bank. To register your interest, text me your name and email address on 0499881040. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.